Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 112, I believe, 112 or 113. I lose track after a while because there's been so many of these. Um, But Happy New Year, movie fans. Thank God 2020 is done. We're not out of the woods yet, but I think just the mindset of we are no longer in 2020, I think will go a long way to helping the overall morale of a lot of people. Just the prospect of it's a new year. We might be able to get back on track to some semblance of normal. And some semblance of normal for us movie fans is new releases to be looking forward to. Uh, I so desperately missed new movies coming out in 2020. As we talked about last week, there was some, but not a ton. So this week, barring any, any unforeseen acts of God terror nightmare scenario here, we will have these movies coming out this year. So we'll be counting down our top 10 most anticipated movies of 2021 barring any unforeseen circumstances that would prevent these movies from coming out um but before we get into all that michael nice to have you back happy new year how are you doing tonight ha- happy new year good friend thank you for for having me back on and yes what a uh, what a great start and great topics i i think you prefaced it so well that barring any circumstances these are the things that we're most anticipating and I'm, I'm glad it actually gives me a lot of anticipation a lot of hope for what is yet to come but uh, I I'm doing very well I have not been able to watch or see anything new with this past uh, week it has been very very quick New Year's was a lot different than Christmas so uh, I I'll just let you know that I have been watching anything here as of late and the movie news seems to have reflected the inactivity level that I've witnessed because uh, this it's not not the most exciting week of movie news. No, I'm thankful at least one of our stories dropped like earlier today or yesterday that I was like, well, at least we have four to talk about or else we would have had to (laughs) really stretch out three. And technically, like some of these aren't even new topics, but guys, it's just been a slow week. I don't sense that'll be a big problem going forward. I think we're going to really ramp up production on some stuff, but um. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I have been watching some stuff, but I think I think I could talk about some stuff that I'm looking forward to this year because I want to put it on record of this will happen this year. I will make yep. sure of it. Sure. Um, I have Josh and I did our story pitches for Fantastic Four. Uh, I have had a story pitch that predates that actually predates the quarantine. I had this story script and outline completely 100% done before lockdown and i had recorded it and i was just about to do it and then i lost all motivation march uh, but i have a full-fledged pitch for how i would do a nightwing movie so i'm holding it here true on the podcast it will come out in 2021 mark my words uh it's done i'm so incredibly proud of it it's like seven or eight full pages it's my most in-depth video i've ever done and that's saying something because michael if you remember my uh, how I pitch episode eight and episode nine video, it more yes. or less it more or less blows those out of the water too. It's just a getting around to doing it, and if that well, does well, please do. Yes, please, please bring it because I'm telling you, your your pitch when you guys when you and Josh did your back and forth on the Incredibles, I had a blast listening to it. You did such a good job, and knowing so taking that talent, taking that passion, and you combine that with 
like Nightwing being your favorite character. I mean, come on. I'm I yes, I'm a guest host on here, but I'm also a listener. Like I want to hear this. Well, okay. So yes, I'm putting that out there on the ether. Um it's more or less because I know um I got some good feedback from some of you guys about our Nightwing topic last week that you would like to see this and I want to get it out there. It's just a matter of getting myself to go out and do it. Um so that I will be doing that sooner rather than later. And then if that goes well, uh, I want to do a story pitch for how I would do a Superman movie or a Man of Steel 2. Uh, that one's not nearly as far along as Nightwing 1 one, but I would like to do that at some point. Also, I'm holding myself to it. It's going to happen this year. I had the perfect opportunity last year during the quarantine, but I didn't do it. Um, I've had a horror short film idea in the back of my mind that's about 50% done in my brain for a while. And so I'm finally... That's my resolution this year is do your freaking project. Just do it. What's the worst that could happen just to get the creative juices flowing? So I want to do more creative stuff this year. I know last year probably was the time to do it because I had all the time in the world on my hands. But what motivation needs to be there? It might not always be there, but now I have sudden urges to do motivation. That could just be the New Year's talking, but it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm not just going to sit around watching stuff, but trust me. I have. I was sitting around watching stuff this weekend because Cobra Kai Season 3 dropped on Friday. And my plan was to have it done uh, over the weekend. But Heather and I were both off on Friday. So we were more or less done by the show by like 3 o'clock. We binged the entire season. Uh, which actually really right. is not that hard because it's only 10 episodes and they're all about half an hour long. So oh, okay. it's not too difficult. Um I will say the karate action takes a back seat in this season compared to the first two seasons, but the character work is on par with the first two seasons. It is still phenomenal. It's still one of the best written shows I've seen currently of there truly is no uh, black and white. There is a lot of gray area for all the characters, like even the most evil, most the most evil and villainous characters in the show. They at least have one or two scenes that you're like, crap, why would you have to show me that? Because now I see you as a human not just a caricature of evil um cobra kai is just fantastic for anybody that's a fan of uh karate kid or just a fan of good television in general i cannot recommend cobra kai enough unfortunately that's the only thing i've been watching i'm already kicking myself that we're recording this on the fourth and i have not watched a single new movie of 2021 yet and i was texting um josh today about that and he's like really it's january 4th and you have watched a new movie that's not a big deal. I'm like, to me, it is. It's been four days into the new year, and I haven't watched any new movies. I will remedy that by the time this podcast comes out. I'll mark my words. Um, but yeah, guys, Cobra Kai Season 3 is awesome. But also, I hate when news articles are just like, this is how this person came back for Cobra Kai. And we're like, it's a good thing I binged this all in one day, or else I'd be real pissed that you ruined this supposed surprise for me. Like, why couldn't you just say this person returned and then air quotes or something and not actually say the person's name and spoil it for people. Like I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is spoilers online. And people were like, well, just stay offline. Well, this is coming from reputable sources like the Hollywood reporter and vanity fair. I'm like, come on people obey the rules of two yeah. weeks for streaming, uh, two days for streaming, two weeks for movies. That's my, that's my general rule of thumb. Let's stick with that. Um, Michael, do you have a spoiler rule of thumb before we get into our main discussion, really? That, that's a great question. I, I remember 
I mean, this is a personal thing for me. I remember trying to find uh, spoiler-free content on Reddit, which I know that's a horrible place to go to, but it's also it can be good. It can be. I'm not I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater there. And I found out that you know Han Solo dies you know two days before Force Awakens came out, and and I told my friend at the time, you know, I said, hey, I just found out a big spoiler, you know. Would you want to know? And this is a person that he has no issue with spoilers whatsoever. And I'm someone that I'm always tempted when I see something. I'm always looking for it, so I may miss what the filmmaker had intended an audience to be. So for me, my rule is I stay off the Internet if I'm really you know, looking for something. Because even in my own Google feed and preferences, if I'm looking at a movie, it'll show me all content. Same thing with YouTube videos. So... Uh, I wish, yeah, people abided by something like that, uh, but since I can't control it, my rule is actually for myself, I just go cold turkey, you know, basically a week out from anything, I, I stop searching in uh, anything regards to the movie, any reviews, any any rumors, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, any Google searches, YouTube video recommendations, I, I just stop. So then that's how I insulate myself from it. Fair enough. I, I like that. I like that. So, like we said, it's been a slow news week, but the stuff that we do have is pretty noteworthy. Case in point, the future of the DCEU is just kind of, I think for lack of a better term, it's just weird right now. Like, <laughs> yes. just weird. It, it feels like they're kind of making it up as they go along, but at the same time, I kind of understand what they're going for here. So, Walter Hamada is the big head honcho over at Warner Brothers, not just for DC stuff, just all Warner Brothers stuff. And he was recently interviewed about the future of DC, and he had some very interesting statements um, in regards to the future of DC films, saying that we will see two Batman on screen at the exact same time, but not exist in the same universe. And that um, Ben Affleck will be stepping down as Batman, and he will be replaced by Michael Keaton. Now, none of this is particularly earth-shattering news. We knew that the Battinson movies coming with our bats, which looks outstanding. That trailer looked phenomenal, and we had known for a while that it's not going to exist in the main canon, like the main timeline. It's more or less an Earth Two story. Uh, and we'll get into more of why in a little bit. Um, and even less surprising was the Ben Affleck being replaced by Michael Keaton thing. Because um, that has been rumored for a while now. It Walter Hamada didn't clarify if this means after The Flash, where Ben Affleck is supposed to be included to more or less write his version of Batman out, or if he's done with The Flash. I highly doubt he's not going to be in The Flash movie, so he can get some form of closure um and i have a theory as to how that would play in in a little bit we'll circle back to that because i think there's a really cool way to do this um but the bringing in michael keaton we knew he was going to be in the flash but that he will be the new batman going forward makes for a real interesting dichotomy in the dc universe because like, Batman was already kind of old in Batman vs. Superman. He was the Dark Knight Returns version where he's like, in his mid to late 50s. Keaton's, like, in his 70s. So, we've heard reports that he's they want uh, Michael Keaton's Batman to more or less kind of be, like, the Nick Fury of the DCEU. 
which I don't I don't know if I buy that either. It's just it's kind of ah. There's a lot of thoughts that I have on this, but before we get into all my rumors and speculation, I might even break out the tinfoil hat here. Um, Michael, here we got two separate Batmans, Robert Pattinson and Michael Keaton's Batman. Thoughts, reactions? Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. That against any trepidation that people might be confused by this, Walter's response was not if we make good movies. Was that that's not taken out of context, right? Okay. What you're what Michael's referring to, I I'm glad you brought this up. I forgot to forgot to mention this. Um Walter Hamada said, um, if we make good movies audiences will not be confused by this in regards to somebody asking well do you think general audiences would be confused having two batman on screen at the same time just not in the same universe and he more or less said if we make good movies no one's going to notice or care to that extent i agree with him and also this is nothing new the concept of having multiple characters on screen at the same time like the flash movie's been in development for however long and the grant gustin show is still going on um Now, I know Justice League Mortal never ended up happening, but that was supposed to be a Justice League movie that was completely detached from the Bryan Singer Superman Returns, detached from the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, but yet still have Superman and Batman. I think we're at a point where comic book audiences are smart enough, and the general audiences are smart enough to go, oh, it's two separate Batmans? Okay, they're not connected. Like, I don't don't see this being overly complicated here. Yeah, I'm... I tend to agree with that because the average movie-going fan who makes up the biggest audience in cash grab, people like going to see movies. And people like the character Batman. You can see that from the um, theatrical acclaim and box office returns for, for Batman. Even regardless of whether or not you think the quality is there, people like Batman. I, it, that's That's just been proven. And so with this particular character, I can agree, and I will be right there seeing both films as a, as a fan myself. The, the thing that you mentioned just to open this, Nate, is that this is just kind of weird at the moment, and it is. And I don't think many superheroes could pull this off, especially with some of the lesser-known Marvel films, like Marvel superheroes that have been introduced more so here in the MCU because people are unfamiliar. So you have a very familiar property and a character that is beloved. So this is a risk, but it also differentiates them from the MCU. It actually gives them their own identity. It's a it's a big risk in my opinion to do this, but I'm still on board. And and if you the way you I think it comes down to marketing. I don't know, correct me maybe if I'm wrong there, Nate, but it depends on how you're trying to sell this film is how it's going to play with with people and their excitement because you're right the Robert Pattinson Batman trailer was a significantly different tone than anything we've seen at least in the last decade I mean, it was vastly different than uh, than Nolan's Batman films and I mean from the aesthetics to the costuming to uh, the the line delivery the actual action uh, completely different I mean people would see that and say wow that's different and I think if you can compare that trailer to what we think we're going to get, or at least we have suspicions with Michael Keaton's return, they are going to be different. So I think people, even in that aspect, will will be able to tell. I mean, I think audiences today 
are a little bit smarter than what we give them credit for, but Hamada is right. They are Hamada, excuse me. They have to be good films. Otherwise, people aren't going to care. I think the other important thing here is they're not even remotely close age-wise to confuse people. One sure. is a 70-year-old man and one is a early 30s man. Like, I don't think it's going to be nearly as confusing to people as we think. Uh, we have heard strong reports that they want Keaton to be like the linchpin that holds everything together going forward. Uh, maybe even being a mentor role in a Batgirl movie, which... Of course, because it's me, I always have to do the six degrees of separation, but in this case, the six degrees of Nightwing, because technically, technically, we could still have Nightwing show up in the Michael Keaton Batman universe because Robin only showed up when it was Batman Forever and Batman Robin with Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Michael Keaton never got a Robin, technically. And people will be like, well, Forever and Batman and Robin are in the same timeline they are but i could see dc easily retconning that and maybe keaton has had the bat family i don't know if they'd full-on give him a damian wayne um but to me this still leaves the door actually not just leaves the door but like breaks the door down jericho style to the future of the dc universe very well could be batman beyond like, I know a lot of people have wanted Michael Keaton to be old Bruce Wayne for a Batman Beyond movie. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility now. I think that's definitely an option. Now, um, something interesting to note that I talked about earlier um, is this will be Ben Affleck's last run as Batman. Theoretically, I think there's a really cool way to send him off. Um so we know the Flash movie is more or less going to adopt the Flashpoint storyline, which Flash goes back in time to save his mom from dying at the hands of Reverse Flash, but in doing so, makes the timeline worse than it was before, a la Back to the Future 2. So there's a sequel comic to Flashpoint, which I love. Uh, there's a sequel comic called um, Batman Flash um, The Button, which is more or less kind of like a crossover with uh, like a... it's started at the beginning of rebirth which is what we're under right now um and there's a slight crossover with Watchmen because we find out dr manhattan's behind everything yada 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 but batman and flash go back to the timeline that has um the flashpoint batman the one with the guns and all murdering everything hmm sounds a little bit like ben affleck's batman but whatever um and so there's this great touching moment where Bruce finally gets to meet his dad and they hug one last time. Um, but due to the events of the story, they're undoing Flashpoint. Therefore, the universe that Thomas Wayne exists in no longer will exist anymore. That timeline will be wiped away forever. And so in the comic, we've got this great moment where Thomas Wayne, let me see if I got this right where Thomas Wayne is more or less going to be out of the timeline forever. And so he says, what do Waynes do? We rise. And so he just runs into this nothingness of void, never to be seen again because his timeline doesn't exist anymore. I would not be surprised in the slightest if that's what they do with Ben Affleck's Batman of the Snyder stuff still happened. But that timeline will be swept away due to the events of Flashpoint. And that will be how we explain how we get out of Batman. But also, 
it would be a really, really awesome way for Ben Affleck to go out. Just go, I go out on my terms and rush into that good night type of situation. Um, mm. That could just be me reading way too much into it, but I think we're going all out with Flashpoint here. I I wouldn't be surprised if we pull from other Flashpoint adjacent stories. You think I'm a little crazy? You think you can see that happening, Michael? Well, I've learned not to disagree with you, especially when you're right. Um, so there, there's that. But in this case, the the idea, I will tell you, as somebody who really enjoyed Batman Beyond, the idea of Michael Keaton playing this sage type of person would easily be able to, uh, you know, bring somebody else under their wing and then, you know, transition into uh, Batman Beyond or, like, this idea of you know this this new mantle piece taken up by like this Nightwing character that you you keep mentioning that I'm familiar with uh, like that sounds appealing to me because anything Michael Keaton is in I think he he's been turning to gold he's had a really really great career but at least in the last five six years he has really had this kind of rejuvenation period and it's been really cool to see now I, I do I do have to ask you this question so at the moment we have a Robert Pattinson Batman. We have Michael Keaton in this this rumored thing. Well, where does Ben Affleck exactly fit in for his last film? Is it with The Flash? Oh, sorry, I had my audio off there. Um, so I think the reason we have Ben Affleck's Batman here is because that's the Batman that um, Ezra Miller's Flash knows. So it would make sense for that he's in this at least in the beginning, to maybe send Barry off on his adventure a la Obi-Wan Kenobi and mm. be like, you're the Batman I know. And then as soon as he enters the speed force and enters a different dimension, be like, oh, you're Batman, but not a Batman I know. Uh, like into the Spider-Verse, basically, of you've got your Chris Pine, your like ideal Batman, um, in that case, Spider-Man, but then you meet another version that's similar-ish. So... I think that's why Ben Affleck's in this. Um, but also, it would make a lot of sense to introduce him into this. And then if we're not using him anymore, find a good way to exit it. Like, I think his Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck's Batman has been awesome, minus some glaring character issues that I have. Like, the whole gun thing. Um, but I think he's owed a good exit if he does want to pursue other projects. Um it still bothers the crap out of me, though, that we have two Batman franchises that want to happen at the same time, yet we don't have an active Superman franchise. Like, yeah, come on. Just, which just I'll talk about that next week. Yeah, I'll, that's, I'll talk about that next week for our um, 2021 predictions, but I don't think Superman's going to be a bench player for much longer. Um, oh, that's a nice tease. Mm, yeah. Um, and also, I opened our segment talking about it, but I'll close it talking about it. Of People keep asking, well, why doesn't Robert Pattinson just become the Batman of this timeline? Why doesn't Robert Pattinson just be the Batman in Justice League and everything else? Because that's not why Matt Reeves signed up to do the Batman movies. He wanted complete creative control in these movies. And I, I get that. So it makes a lot of sense of just he's not – they want to bring in some other Batman to be the one that's in all the franchise movies. They want Matt Reeves to do these Batman movies – how he wants to do them, like Christopher Nolan was allowed to do them, and to me, that's fine, so long as Dick Grayson is introduced at some point, so sooner rather than later, um, but judging by that first trailer, 
I'm really excited for the Batman movie. Um, so just let Matt Reeves do his own thing for that. I don't have to worry about it crossing over with anything else. So that's why Robert Pattinson isn't crossing over with Justice League or whatever else. Total creative freedom on the part of Matt Reeves. Now, we talked about um, Superman, which, Michael, follow this leap of logic here. <laughs> the original Superman was directed by a guy named Richard Donner. Richard Donner, in turn, directed some Lethal Weapon movies, and apparently, he just has the itch to do it again. Because Richard Donner, a man in his 90s, is saying that he's coming back to direct Lethal Weapon 5 with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. I believe the phrase is apropos when I when they said it before, but now if they say it again, you guys are too old for this crap. Like, come on! This is ridiculous! Like, don't get me wrong. If Richard Donner wants to do this, awesome! That sounds great. But dude, you're in your 90s. Now, some people will be like, well, Clint Eastwood's still directing. He's in his 90s. Yes, but he doesn't do it movies prolifically he'll do maybe like one a year but also he doesn't do action movies he also doesn't do action movies starring people who also are old and potentially very scary because i'm just looking at this going richard donner good for you you do realize mel gibson is still like mel gibson right like um we realized when he was acting crazy in these movies he might not have been acting right um like there's just this big why like this this just seems like the biggest liability it's like they saw that bad boys for life the highest grossing movie of 2020 believe it or not bad boys for life did well and they're like we could do that that's fine never mind the fact that your cast is like 20 years older than the cast of bad boys for life and your director is significantly older than the director of Bad Boys for Life. I I don't understand the rationale here. Like, just there's so many things that can go wrong here that I, I just don't understand his decision. Michael, do you understand his decision at all? Uh, it, listen, okay, definitely caught me off guard here's what I'm down with. What if they take that, the fat, like, the the thing that's staring everybody in the face, which is age, and they play into it, and it's these two main characters dealing with a crisis in, like, a nursing home or something. Like, I, I just think, like, what if, what if you, what if you just lean into it and it's a more of a comedy than it ever has been? I could, I could certainly find, a, find some enjoyment there, but considering that's usually not what these, movies are known for yes it would be a a, you know listen okay they made they made it 25 fast and furious films so this is not the craziest thing that i've heard but i don't see the appeal i mean i could i can't even believe there's been five of these so technically there's only been four of them so far when was when did the fourth one release we have a year on that sometime in the 90s i think um I can, I can yeah, Michael, do a quick search quick. on that one. It's just, 
it's not like Lethal Weapon is necessarily the most relevant franchise. Like, didn't they just, or it might still be airing, didn't they have a revival TV show recently? Like, I believe so, yes. That was 1998 Fox. was Lethal Weapon 4. So, thirty, almost 30 years ago. Ugh. Getting close. Yeah, close to it. Eh, I don't like that thought. Oh, guys, if you ever want to feel old, here's a thought now. People born in 2000 will be able to drink this year. Okay, well, legally at least. They, they, they've they been doing it long before this year. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a scary thought. Uh, that makes me certainly feel old as a younger millennial. Um, thank you for that, Nathan. I really appreciate that. you got to love the Uncharted Media podcast. Hope and optimism and yes. making you feel old. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, what, just, I, mm, I would say this is the most ridiculous and outlandish news topic that we've got to talk about today, but um, we'll close out our news topics with that, because I actually will defend that news topic compared to this. This is just uh, odd to me. This is, it's just like Retirement Weapon 5 or something. Right. Actually, no, Come wait, on. there is. A movie called Red basically has what this movie wishes it could be, which Red is awesome. At least the first yeah. one. The second one was, eh. That's what this should be. But I right. don't know if it will be that good. But would you watch it if it was, is my question. Here's the thing. I didn't see Red in theaters, so. Oh, well. So maybe I yeah. probably what would probably happen is what happened to me with Red is I didn't see it. Edward talks it about it and say it's really good, and then I'll catch it on a home video. Uh, I just don't think it would be as good as Red. Also, speaking of Red, just a quick Carl Urban appreciation. That man's wonderful. He's like mm. the forever bridesmaid but never a bride. Of He's the go-to side character in like every major franchise ever. Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, Marvel, Chronicles of Riddick, Red, Dread, which is one of the long times that he led. And it was, wow, that was a scary rhyming scheme right there. Um, <laughs> nice. But he was awesome in Dread, and I really wish he was Batman. But just, we don't give Carl Urban enough love. Have Carl Urban be in Lethal Weapon. That's fine. He was an almost human for the five people that remember that show. Um, Yeah, I, I just... Why you gotta be like this, Hollywood? Just, just why? Let's move on to some more optimistic news that I like more. Um... This is nothing new, but the source that it's coming from is rather interesting. Uh, so a few weeks back, we talked about Michael B. Jordan was in the running to direct Creed 3, the next installment in the beloved Rocky franchise. Well, and now it's been seemingly confirmed from an unlikely source that he is, in fact, directing Creed 3. As it seems, Tessa Thompson herself, co-star of these Creed movies, has said that, yes, he will be, in fact, directing the next installment of Creed. I'm all on board for this. I just think it's odd that, like, she's the one that comes out with this knowledge. I'm like, um, were you supposed to say that? Were you allowed to say that? And you said it anyway. But, um, thanks for confirming it for us. Because, like, we we kind of speculated that it might be happening. And I remember saying back then, and as I say again now, this is a great choice, I think. Um, because... Over the past few years, Michael B. Jordan has been taking more and more of an active role in behind-the-scenes stuff as well as in front of the camera. 
Um, he's been producing stuff. He's a producer on the upcoming Static Shock movie that's in development. That's probably going to HBO Max. Um, I like this idea of him being a director now. But what's even better is he's being a director on not necessarily a big movie. Like, the Rocky franchise is a big franchise, but they don't necessarily make the most amount of money. So there's less risk here than, say, if he's directing the next Avengers movie. Um, This has a medium-sized budget, but it's also a franchise that he knows well now. He starred in two movies with Sylvester Stallone, so he's been able to pick the brain of Sly, who's directed his fair share of Rocky movies, and he can kind of know what the franchise is, how to manage it the best, but also put his own spin on it. Um, I think this is nothing but good news. Um, Michael, what are you thinking? What do you think about the Creed movies? What do you think about him directing the next one? Uh, I'm all for it. I, I've actually really enjoyed this franchise. I think, uh, Ryan Cougar did such a great job in the first Creed. Had some of the best long takes and actual like transitions that I've ever seen. The entrance scene between uh, Creed and um, and I can't uh, Ricky Pretty Ricky Conlon in the first one just gives me chills. The way that was the way it was shot. And the second film did not have a quality dip. I still like the first one more, but it didn't suffer from sequelitis. Uh, it actually kept me engaged. And it, and it told a, a different story because of a different story team. And and this, I think, is going to be just as strong. And I honestly, I can't wait. This is definitely going to be something I'm going to see in the theaters. And uh, I regret not seeing Creed 2 and supporting that film in theaters because I just I was a little skeptical and I've learned my lessons. So I'm, I'm 100% on board and, and good for him. I, I totally agree that, you know, this is a third movie in a, in a series, like you said, mid-budget, mid-tier it's not a blockbuster. It's a good place to get your feet wet because you have experience on set. You know the characters. I trust him. I love the relationship between Creed and I can't remember her name, Tessa Thompson's character. I think they'll continue to explore the the relationship between those two, and with and with um, Michael B. Jordan behind the camera. I trust that he'll be able to direct himself and maybe take. Uh, the character that we know uh, a little bit further, just a little bit further as, you know, as Adonis and, and get more of the humanity behind him and his actions and how he relates to the world and maybe as an aging star on his way out uh, because they kind of hinted at kind of the repercussions. Like what is he going to do as a father? You can't have brain damage. You can't deal with this your entire life. I want you to be here for our son. So like that's, though, I think those themes are actually far more, you know, interesting to me than the actual fighting, and I really hope that someone like him can can bring those kind of smaller moments more like to the forefront. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm actually more of a fan of Creed two than Creed one. Um, I like them both, but I like Creed two a little bit more just because it felt more like a traditional Rocky story. Like mm. I did see it in theaters opening night with Heather, and when they play the traditional Rocky music when he finally knocks down Drago for the first time, I almost leapt out of my seat just going. Heck yeah, this is what I know and love. Um, also, can we bring back Drago for the next Creed movie, please? But not as an enemy? Like how in the original Rocky movies we had um, Apollo and Rocky square off and then they became friends. Can we bring back Drago? Because I thought um, Florian... Wow, oh, I've always... Can't pronounce his last name. The guy that played young Drago was phenomenal. I actually thought he was really, really good and brought a certain amount of... Um, 
empathy to the character. Like, I never truly hated him. Um, I understood where he was coming from, and he was able to express a lot of emotion with just his facial expressions. Another reason why I'm such a big fan of Michael B. Jordan taking over this franchise is, thus far with the Creed franchise, it's been rocky, but with a very distinctly African-American director's mind. We had Ryan Coogler with the first one, who did Fruitvale Station, Black Panther. Uh, you had Stephen Capel Jr. doing the second one. Now he's moved on to a Transformers movie. Now with Michael B. Jordan... I like seeing groups of people that had not previously been able to tell their stories in theaters be able to tell their stories now of how Michael B. Jordan approaches the story will be different than how Sylvester Stallone will approach the story. There's always a sense, I don't know how to put this as best as I can, but like there's a different sense of the world and a different worldview in the Creed movies and there are in the Rocky world of Rocky being a white guy that kind of quickly establishes wealth to Adonis more or less comes from nothing and kind of his his view of the world from the other side of the train tracks type of situation and I think that's a theme that will continue in the next one and I really applaud that and I like that that's a big thing that makes Creed different than Rocky I think is its sense of voice and I love the voice that Creed has in all of its movies. Um, and I look forward to that continuing. I just hope they stay to the quality that they are because I just love this franchise and I would like to see them continue. But please, 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 please. And this will always be a concern. In Rocky 3, Rocky witnesses Mickey, his trainer, die. Please, 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 Michael B. Jordan, do not kill off Rocky. Please do not do that. We gave him good closure in Creed 2. You don't have to have him in the movie at all, but if you do... Please don't kill him. We got dangerously close in Creed 1. My heart cannot handle Rocky dying. He's the most pure man in the world. He can lift Thor's hammer if he really wanted to. He's that pure. Please do not kill Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I'll just make a distinction. that yeah, The, the differences between the characters and the backgrounds, and what's interesting about Adonis is that he foregoes all of the, the riches that his father left him and his mother and he wants to make it, you know, him by himself. And he moves, you know, across the country to to just be be with himself and like willingly subjects himself to to a more impoverished you know state because he he's so he's so adamant like this is gonna be me. I'm not gonna live in the in the shadow of my father. And then you know that's that transition of not seeing that as a shameful thing, but then kind of growing into it. That is what I thought was probably the most appealing aspect of the first film. Um, is somebody who's so headstrong, like I'm going to do it this way, but then realizing that maybe that's not the most wise choice, and that that I found incredibly human. Hmm, I don't think I've ever seen that attribute in you whatsoever, Michael, of headstrongness and stubborn. I will do this my way. Uh, it's it's relatable. That's what I'm saying. I, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed the first part. So yes, so. Michael at times can be hard to figure out. You know what else is hard to figure out? A Rubik's Cube. Not my best segue, but we'll go with it. Oh, Whatever. Gosh. Um, this is... Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is a thing that's happening, people. Hollywood is that desperate. We are getting a Rubik's Cube movie. Not like the Tetris movie that's coming out that's filming right now with Taron Edgerton about the making and creation of Tetris. This is literally a movie about a Rubik's Cube. 
And the internet is having a field day with this going, Hollywood is out of ideas. We're n- we don't have Man of Steel 2, but we've got a Rubik's Cube movie coming. And here is where I lose all my credibility. I will give this movie a chance because there was a little movie that came out in 2014 that I thought looked terrible based off of some property that I had known since childhood but I was just like this is just the most commercial gimmick that you can make it's just here to sell toys and little did I know that it would be the best movie that year hands down and of course I'm talking about the Lego movie the Lego movie taught me any movie can work if you have the right story and idea with it on paper this looks stupid but on paper The Lego movie sounds stupid, too, until you see it in action. I have actually some story ideas that I will pitch, but I want to hear Josh, uh, Michael's reaction. Sorry, force of habit here. That's like the second time in two weeks. Yes. Force of habit. I have some story ideas that I actually think they might go with that aren't the worst idea in the world. But first, Michael, tell me creativity is dead in the world. Well... Uh, I certainly will affirm that. I, I thought you were going to say pixels, uh, not uh, um, Yeah. Can I just say I'm going to reserve all judgment, uh, or actually any more judgment is is the accurate accurate way of putting it until I see some marketing material because I will as objectively, I want to be able to see what they they're selling. I want to give them their day in court, give them the opportunity to pitch it. And then I will, I will respond exactly how I think I'm going to respond still, but I will leave that uh, to the day of pronouncement, which will be hopefully a long time from now because I don't want to hear anything more about this, at least in, for the rest of 2021. Let's make 2021 a redemption in movies, not a, oh, well, yeah, that's the year that that happened. Um, I will say at least a little bit. The Lego movie had a lot going for it because it demonstrated like Lego Star Wars, for example, a lot of Lego video games that were in in the mind of people. It's like, yeah, you can you can make it work. It's just going to be difficult. This there's there's nothing. Why not make the movie about how they made the thing? Why not do that? I'd be interested in that. So. Here's why I don't necessarily hate it too much. And also, um, we talked about it before. Uh, you can't judge a movie until you've properly seen it. There's some movies that just sound stupid on paper. And I think that's actually a future podcast episode that we're probably going to do is pleasant surprise movies or movies on paper that should have sucked but didn't. 2017's Power Rangers. Um, I believe it was last – no, two years ago. Dora the Explorer, the live-action Dora movie. Should not have worked nearly as well as it did. Um, I think if given the right story, anything could work. So, here are some story ideas of what I would do if you, if I had to. If I was locked in a prison wall, prison cage, whatever. A Nicolas Cage. Um, and they're like, you can't leave until you pitch us a Rubik's Cube movie that we can sell to investors. I'd be like, okay. It's National Treasure. Except the MacGuffin is a Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Cube is a puzzle that once unlocked leads to another puzzle that leads to another puzzle that leads to another puzzle. It's a treasure hunt movie with the 
key component being a Rubik's Cube. Just my first pitch out there, but my worry yeah. is Hollywood will do something along the lines of it's it's an alien device that when once solved, it will contact an alien ship. It's a beacon for other world, and I fear that and all the Borg from Star Trek will come because they've already got the same exact ship um, that looks like a Rubik's Cube. Um, oh, you're selling me on this. Anything with aliens, I'm down. Uh, can, <laughs> I mean, this that sounds really good. I was honestly thinking this would go the line of like they're going to try to make a Rubik's Cube like into an animation movie, kind of like a wannabe Pixar film. That's where I'm going with it. That, and so, I mean, what you're saying, I will sign up for both of those films. <laughs> I'd still stick with the treasure hunt thing because, you know, me, I I need more treasure hunt movies in my life. We'll talk sure. about a certain treasure hunting movie that's coming out later this year, um, National Treasure. I, I don't know why, but to me, I see Rubik's Cube. I'm just like, yeah, it's a fun puzzle for kids and bored adults. Um, but it always struck me as maybe it could hold some secrets that you unlock it. Like, um, if you make it a circle, like a circular version of a Rubik's Cube, it reminds me of the puzzle from Treasure Planet that Jim Hawkins unlocks to reveal the map of Treasure Planet. Maybe it's something like that, of the Rubik's Cube is just the thing that starts the story, and the story isn't entirely based off of it. That's at least what I would do. Because you're going to get at least some butts in the th- seats the opening weekend out of curiosity going, are they doing a Rubik's Cube movie? Uh, okay. Um, but maybe if you really can think outside the box. Now, there's some names out there that'd be like, it's directed by David F. Sandberg. I don't care. I'm there opening weekend. They're like, there's some names that you can attach to this. Like for you, Rubik's Cube or just Rubik's by Aaron Sorkin. Michael will be there opening weekend. Doesn't even matter what it's about. Amen. Like, there are ways to make this work. I know people are just crapping on this going, this is the dumbest idea Hollywood's ever come up with. And I'm going, guys, did you realize we have a Peeps movie in production, right? Like, The Marshmallow Candy, that's getting a movie too. That's a far stupider idea than Rubik's Cube. There are stupider ideas out there. It's just going to take a lot to convince some people, I think. Yeah, okay, so you're a lot more uh, a positive, maybe even a little more objective than I, than I am. Uh, I will, again, I'll echo what I said earlier. I will sign up for your pitches. I think maybe you have missed your calling good friend (laughs) that you should go into the marketing business and maybe you should be on some of those meetings and for those board of directors and board of investors calls that that's just my opinion because you've sold me on two ideas uh, where I know I will still maintain my skepticism and rightfully so I mean there's a reason like you mentioned this got roasted on the internet as it in a way you're inviting it but you know but in this in this society people like to troll and why not take advantage of it own the, the like the lunacy of it and then also just blow pe- blow people's expectations and maybe that's a that's a way of doing it what you've just described certainly not as creative as, as I am because uh, or because clearly I'm so creative I couldn't think of anything more than just uh, one idea that is so boring uh, so I'm glad that you're leading this and if if there's any a point in time where personally I'm looking for some hope, on a project, I know who to at least ask there, and Nathan, if I'm being completely honest. And this is why I love Superman, and we need a Man of Steel 2. I'll pitch it for you guys. So what you're saying, Michael, in conclusion, is in regards to how to pitch this movie, this Rubik's Cube movie, would you say I've solved it? 
man, that's just that, that that's painful. Uh, not yet, but I I'll have to give you credit for it. that. Was a really really good effort. Well, I appreciate that. This episode is sponsored by Rubik's Cubes, coming to theaters near you sometime in the near future, whether you like it or not, but still no Man of Steel 2. And truth be told, if we ever do get Man of Steel 2, there will be rejoicing in the streets. Michael will be able to hear me from wherever he is. He'll hear a faint sound in the distance going, Oh, I should probably check my phone. That sounds like the squeal of a man-child. Is that a bird? No, is it a play? No, it's Nathan's Jubilee. <laughs> that just sounds like a gospel album right there. Hey, um, preach, brother. <laughs> so, barring another unforeseen catastrophe of human stupidity and just awfulness, we should theoretically be getting back to the movie theaters in 2021. Now, the movie landscape, I'm sure, will be drastically different as HBO Max is trying to systematically destroy the movie-going experience, but we've beaten that horse to death already. Um, barring any ridiculous changes, there's a bunch of movies coming out in 2021, so we've narrowed down our top 10 to the ones that we're most looking forward to. Um, mine are all over the place. Um, I had one. When we were doing our 2020 most anticipated before everything just went to crap, um, I had a specific list, and now that list is all jumbled too because I've got new anticipation, I've got new titles, and I'm like, oh, okay. But also because 2020 just moved everything down. It just, it just messed up everything. Um, but one movie, I'll kick us off. My number 10 is one that I have known about and has been an active development since we were in college, Michael. Um, on paper, I understand why I'm excited for this, but also at the same time, I don't know why I'm excited for this because I don't think this movie universe has necessarily been the best or lit the world on fire. That being said, when you put two gigantic things and tell them to punch each other, I'm there. So Godzilla vs. Kong, if this ever comes out, I don't care what HBO Max's plan is, I will see this in theaters because that is the definition of a theater movie. This is like the one movie on HBO Max that I'm just like, oh, come on, guys. This is meant to be seen in a theater. I want to see the big hairy guy punch the stupid gorilla, stupid lizard looking man because Kong for life because Kong Skull Island is better than either of the Godzilla movies we've gotten so far in this monster verse. Um, I have not been the biggest fan of this monster verse. I thought Godzilla 2014 was fine. Not good, not bad. I think Gareth Edwards struggles with interesting characters. Uh, and then I really was thoroughly disappointed with King of the Monsters. But I did enjoy Kong Skull Island, minus some very bland performances in that too. Um, but you tell me Kong versus Godzilla, I'm going to be interested. I want to see them beat the crap out of each other, especially if they adopt the... Um, fighting style in Kong Skull Island because Kong Skull Island has some really inventive and fun fights. Um, plus, I've had my theories forever about Kong versus Godzilla that I had in my 2020 predictions that will probably carry over into next week of in Batman versus Superman. They fight for each other, fight against each other for a little bit, but there's some bigger threat that they have to come together to fight. Well, via some toy leaks, I can pat myself on the back and go, 
I was right in my prediction of last year. I'm excited to see that thing that I'm not going to spoil for you guys here, but I'm excited to see that thing in Kong versus Godzilla. Although this movie would rank higher on my anticipation list if I knew the Jaegers from Pacific Rim were also crossing over, which missed opportunity, guys. Come on. Yeah, the in the, so this is your honorable mention or is just number ten. This you? is my number ten. This is my number ten. Okay, yeah, I I will get to that one much much later. But respectable top ten. I am actually very encouraged, very very encouraged that this is actually on your list. It, it's it's one of my it's it's one of those guilty pleasure and biased properties, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so I mean, I, I just makes it just warms my heart that. Uh, that you have that on your list. Uh, my number ten is is a sequel to a film that came out in 2017, uh, a film that I never saw in theaters but was recommended to me. Uh, it's an animated film and it is due a sequel, and that's Boss Baby Two. I am actually really looking forward uh, to this film. I, I Nate's giving me a, a fantastic meme face at the moment. Uh, that's because. I really, that's because really you could have given me 50 years to guess what movie you're thinking of, and I still wouldn't have guessed this. Like, yeah. The Boss Baby 2? Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really enjoyed Boss Baby. I thought it had some incredibly intelligent humor. I'm not, I've never watched the show. I had no interest in that. But I, I thought the, the plot was pretty inventive and creative, and I thought it was executed perfectly. In the first one, and like my parents and I, we had a blast with it. So it was one of those just good, like, hey, this is why I love films. It wasn't the best movie by any means, but and I'm and I'm not saying this should be a fantastic film worthy of nominations. No, it's just it. The first one's a reminder of why I love movies so much because it's like it's a good time, and I'm interested to see what they do for a sequel. All right, fair enough. Interesting choice, but okay. Uh, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine uh, is something that I actually might not see because I might chicken out. Uh, it's in the horror genre, uh, so I might have to rely on you seeing it for me. It should have come out in February, but I am incredibly partial to any sort of creature feature, and, and that is Antlers. And ever since I saw the trailer uh, to this, it, it was, I thought it was haunting. And as somebody who has read the short story, uh, it is actually gripping. And if they put what I'm thinking they will to film based on the trailers, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be shocking. It does not follow the the stereotypical tropes of storytelling. And if they actually follow the short story to a T, it's actually quite heartbreaking. So uh, because of all of those things, I might not you know just want to go out and see it for a good time. I may have to rely on you. So can I encourage you to go see it and then tell me if it if it if deserves a place on my top ten? You're telling me I need to see a horror movie? Okay, I'm sure. I'm right. sure I'll suffer through it for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I will say I'm I'm with you in Antlers. It's not on my list, but I will say I'm with you in the sense of I love the trailer for Antlers. I thought it was creepy and the tone was just set of man, this is unsettling. 2021 is shaping up to be a great year for movies and a great year for horror. There's a lot of things that are coming out that I'm super, super excited for. Um, I think Antlers is going to fly under a lot of people's radar. My only concern is it's in February. Um, so yeah. that kind of gives me a little bit of pause, but thank God it's not in January. If it was in January, I'm just going, that's bad. That ain't good, man. That ain't right. it, Chief. Because if you see a horror movie in January, The Turning, um, 
then oh. you know it's going to be bad, usually. Although, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit came out in January, and I love that movie so much. Um, yeah, Antlers, I'll let you know. I'll, I forgot okay. that it was in February. Um, then again, for the past, like, nine months, I've had no concept of time whatsoever. <laughs> so um, I can't blame you. Speaking of nine months, my number nine is one that I'm sure will be much higher on Michael's list, but it's still on my list, just much lower down because I'm more excited for other projects. I got a need. I got a need for a Top Gun sequel that no one asked for. <laughs> um, many, many years too late, but in all seriousness, holy crap, Top Gun Maverick looks so good. Like, I bag on the original Top Gun for not having much of a story. This new one, I don't care if it's got a story or not, if it's continued to shot as beautifully as it does in the trailers. Because, oh my goodness, Top Gun Maverick's trailer is one of the most gorgeous trailers out there in terms of cinematography and just sheer visceral. You watch this trailer when you've just set up your surround sound system just so you can hear the engine and the fantastic music. It's a powerful, hit-you-in-the-gut trailer. I was getting nostalgia for a movie that I don't even like. Like, this Top Gun Maverick trailer single-handedly sold me. The only thing that makes this lower on my list than higher is, for months and months and months while this movie was in development, and even while I was filming, I thought this movie was being made by um, Mission Impossible 5 and 6's director, Christopher McQuarrie, which got me super, super hyped because I think McQuarrie is one of the best directors working today. Finding out that he's not, I'm not going to lie, took a lot of the air out of my balloon in this situation. I was going, oh, that's fine. Um, Tom Cruise is still a phenomenal actor, and we know that it took forever to make this movie because he had to teach himself how to fl- actually fly a fighter jet because he's just insane. Um, this movie just looks outstanding to me. I also really like Miles Teller, who is um, Goose's son, if that wasn't obvious enough, by the mustache. Um, I'm hoping he has a much better fate than Goose, um, or else his eggs will get cooked. Um, I oh This movie looks awesome. Um, I, I do worry about the fact that I don't know who this director is or what his previous works are. Um, but Tom Cruise, since he's got such a strong presence in all of his movies, I, I have faith in him that he found the right people behind the scenes. Um, I'm sure this is much higher on your list, Michael, but... I'm looking forward to Top Gun Maverick for sure. I'm just happy that it is on your list. And even though I think your objections to the first movie are valid, I just simply don't care because I just, it's one of those nostalgic trips and it's, it's dumb, but it's dumb in the best way possible in my opinion. And you're right. The, the shots alone, the cinematography alone in the trailer, if they don't pull a rogue one, out of nowhere, and none of them appear in the movie, which would be a mistake in my opinion, uh, then you know I'm just going to go see it because I want the sound, I want the actual shots of you know uh, fighter jets you know, flying around and having that those like points of view that we've really never captured on a cinematic level before. So that's what I'm signing up for. I'm not signing up for the plot and the character development. Come on, is anyone signing up for the character development? No. Okay, every it, it appeals to the inner six-year-old, and we're all honest, all inner six-year-old's jaws hit the floor when we saw that trailer. It did its job. I'm going to go see it, and I'm glad that you are as well. Um, my, my number eight 
I don't even know if it'll appear on your list, but it's something that's flown on the flown under the radar. I guess to continue that uh, the aircraft uh, terminology and to throw in a little pun there, uh, it wasn't until this latest uh, press conference that Disney held uh, is is something that I'm like, oh yeah, that movie's coming out, and in fact, you, Nate, you were the one who even told me about it, and, and it's and it's in taking place in a context that I'm actually quite interested in. And, and that's Raya and the Last Dragon. I, I love my good animated films. And so I, for me, this is going to be a must-see this year. I cannot wait. I like the cast. I like the context. And, and, the, and the story behind it is also very intriguing. So I, I know that's coming out in the second half of the year. And I, I can't wait uh, to actually, hopefully, be in theaters to see it. Yeah, I ain't paying 30 bucks to see Raya and the Last Dragon as good uh, it is a, like an on. If I had honorable mentions, I put an honorable mention there. Um, again, it's not on my list or higher on my list because to me, it kind of felt like Disney saw Kung Fu Panda and was just like, "Oh, that's that's cool and successful. Let's just do that." Except for the girl, that's not a panda, which makes it considerably less cool. Not that she's a girl, but she's not a panda, and she's not Jack Black. That just makes everything better. Um, but I think the art style looks cool. It's a type of Disney movie that we don't see a whole lot. Like, um, it kind of reminds me of old school Mulan in terms of the martial arts presence. Um, the, also the animation style looks very different for Disney. It looks more akin to a DreamWorks movie. That's why I compared it to Kung Fu Panda. It looks aesthetically more like Kung Fu Panda than it does other Pixar movies, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with Pixar mixing up styles every once in a while. Um, also I really hope she has nothing to prove to me, but I hope this is like the redemption story for Kelly Marie Tran. Yes. Like she has nothing to redeem herself for, but I hope this basically tell, I hope she's awesome in this and more or less tells the whiny Star Wars babies that bullied her off social media to just shove it. Cause she seems like a wonderful young lady who just suffered at the hands of some awful, awful fans of Star Wars, and so I really want her to have success now, more so than before, because of that. Um, this is going to surprise you, but my number eight should be much higher, but I have so, so many reservations that is pretty low on my list, and that is whatever the next Spider-Man movie is going to be called, for now we'll just call it Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man and Nightwing are my two favorite characters of all time. Um, in terms of just like childhood favorites, Spider-Man is number one. Like I, Spider-Man was my hero as a kid and he still is like minus. It's like how Toy Story was my first movie and still one of my most nostalgic movies, but I would never say the Toy Story is my number one favorite movie of all time. As I've gotten older, I've, I've liked other things. Same with Spider-Man. He will still always be my nostalgic favorite hero as he is for a lot of people. A lot of people grow up with Spider-Man. And he's still one of my all-time favorites. I will always be excited for a new Spider-Man movie. It doesn't matter if it's Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, original Spider-Man 3. I will always be excited for a new Spider-Man movie. I'm so nervous and hesitant about this movie. Of uh, Just of all the things that we've heard about this movie. Just all the things that might be in it. All the things that might lead to or imply... The fact that this might take Spider-Man out of the MCU, we don't know. That's just kind of something that's floating around the ether. But also, I've always said before, you're only as good as your last movie. And I was incredibly disappointed with the last Spider-Man movie. It wasn't bad. 
but it certainly wasn't good either. I was incredibly disappointed with it. And so I really want, I really wanted this to be, and it might still be, and I might be too worried about it. I really wanted this to be the Spider-Man movie where he finally comes into his own, ditches the Iron Man Jr. personality traits that he's been displaying for the past two movies. Um, but this movie seems like it's going to be so crowded that I don't necessarily know if we're going to get that type of character interaction from him. Um, again, it's still a Spider-Man movie. I trust Kevin Feige. We'll see if Far From Home was just a blip on the radar or if we should be worried about John Watts doing a Fantastic Four movie going forward. Um, it's There's just a lot of things that make me nervous about this Spider-Man movie as opposed to being all giddy and excited like I was for home the lead up to homecoming after we saw him in civil war like i haven't necessarily loved the past few outings of spider-man like infinity war and endgame with the whole iron spider suit not really digging far from home as i said and so like i really really want to be excited for the next spider-man movie it's just if there's a lot of things that's giving me hesitation for this next one um i'm is it anywhere on your list down later michael Yes, yes. Okay. It is. Okay. And so I, we'll I, double back to it then. We'll double yeah, back no, to fine. it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't share your your hesitancy, and so if you're looking for hope, I can carry that for you. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, I, I, we'll double back on that. Um, uh, my number seven. Also, I feel like Michael will have higher on his list later. Um, unlike some other movies on our list that were always scheduled to come out in 2021, this is one of those movies that was supposed to come out in 2020. And has been impacted more than almost any other movie not named Wonder Woman 1984 in terms of its release dates. And I'm, of course, talking about James Bond's No Time to Die. Um, This is similar to the Spider-Man situation, but not to the emotional extent that I have with Spider-Man. Like, I like but don't love James Bond, but you're only as good as your last movie. And I think Spectre was a really disappointing James Bond movie. It was tonally all over the place with a really, really lousy villain reveal. Like, I saw... Spoiler alert. I saw the villain reveal of who Christoph Waltz was actually playing a mile away. Like, and spoiler alert for next week in our predictions. I don't think this is the last time they're going to pull that BS on us. I think there's a mystery villain in No Time to Die. Um, But this time, I'm actually excited for that mystery villain. Um, the trailers for No Time to Die have been outstanding. I think this movie looks awesome. Um, I I hope we see the farewell of Daniel Craig in great fashion. I don't think we'll kill him off again because technically he died in Skyfall. Um, I just want him to go out on a high note. I've enjoyed some of his James Bond movies. As much as people like to rave about him, they are kind of hit or miss. Like Casino Royale, good. Quantum of Solace, bad skyfall one of my favorite bonds ever i love skyfall specter so yeah he's due for a good one it's like the original star trek movies you have to go every other one is good um so come on daniel craig you want three good ones and two bad ones then you can leave because i know he does not want to stay in this franchise any longer than he has to be because he's too busy going on to knives out too and we thank him for that Yes. Yeah, yeah, that uh, it is on my list as well, so we will we'll double back. Are, are well, uh, well done, sir. I'm glad that we're not too far off uh, at this moment. Just just on the order a little bit. 
Uh, no, number seven is a film that I would expect is well, I, actually I'm not sure because expectation for this film is all over the place, and we're still not guaranteed to, to know exactly in what format you know I'm going to see it in. But it's not higher because I don't know anything about the original IP. I, I just am I'm thrilled with the directorial and casting choices and the the plot at least is intriguing and that's Dune. I don't know anything about this film. I, I don't know anything other than the fact that it's got some decent actors, it's got a great director, and it's something that's sci-fi. I'm going to sign up for that every day of the week, and it is it was one of my most anticipated films of last year, and so hopefully I can see this in a theater and experience it how it was meant to be and, and go from there. But I, I know that the original one was kind of like a, a cult movie, kind of like Blade Runner, and they gained following over time. So hopefully this won't be entirely confusing to me because I don't know anything about this property at all. So I've been pretty adamant since this movie got announced, and I'm sticking to my guns with this. Um, I think this will be one of, if not the best movie of 2021 that no one will see. I think this movie will be a huge box office failure, and not just because of the HBO Max situation. I think Denis Villeneuve is one of the best directors working today. I think Prisoners is a masterpiece. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 was outstanding. Wasn't a big fan of Arrival. I thought it was kind of dull. Um, Denis Villeneuve makes fantastic movies that the film-loving community sees, but the general population does not. Um, I don't think the general population cares about Dune. The diehard film-loving world knows of it, Knows the people in it. They're like, oh, those are the big name people. Big names don't necessarily sell movies anymore. Knowing what the movie is about and being able to express the narrative of the movie to a general audience, that'll sell your movie. And I think Dune is too heady of a concept. Um, It's a very brainy type of genre, not genre, um, franchise. And... I think they've already doomed themselves because they're just like, well, we're filming the first half of the book. When we make the sequel, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. When you make the sequel, excuse you, you're not guaranteed a sequel. And Warner Brothers is going, we wanted this to be in theaters for franchise potential. I'm going, uh, cart, meet horse. Cart, you go first. Um, Like, this just doesn't... I think this movie... Don't get me wrong. I think this movie is going to be outstanding. I think Denny Villeneuve makes only great movies. He doesn't make commercially successful movies is the problem. And this movie is super expensive with the visual effects and the actors involved. I think this movie will be outstanding, but no one's going to see it. Or if they do, it's going to be at home on HBO Max. Well... At least it's encouraging that it won't be a waste of money. Uh, and however, in what medium I, I, I see it, um, well, I do appreciate the perspective there. Uh, I will say, moving on to, to my number six is a movie I absolutely know is not on your list, but I will say that the reason why it's on my list and so high is because of the the attention paid to this character, you know, during the the latter films that this character was in, and I'm excited to see what they do uh, with her in her own movie, and that's Black Widow. I, I actually am anticipating this film. I, I really enjoyed what they did uh, with Black Widow in Endgame. I thought if they can capture that type of humanity behind her, 
and I think they're going to try to giving her this family back backdrop. I think this movie is going to be special, and I don't think anyone's paying attention to how special it could be because I think I think there's a lot of people out there who actually felt her death and actually uh, were were moved by it. I just they just didn't give you a whole lot of time to process it, which is unfortunate. But uh, I actually really enjoy Black Widow. I'm one of those people that always did, and because they've always alluded to the fact that you know she has a lot of pain in their past, but she's been taught to mask it. She's been taught to hide it and not ever have to emotionally deal with it because that's not that that compromises her. It makes her an ineffective agent. She's supposed to be robotic, but people will say, "Well, she's kind of a robot, no personality." Like that's the point. That that that's the whole point of that character. And giving her those scenes in Endgame helped kind of bring out the fact that you know now that there's nothing to lose, maybe you can start giving her a little bit more character development. And I, I think they played the lawn game with her, and I think I think it works. I don't know if a Black Widow movie – I know it's people joke that it's like six, seven years too late, but I don't know if it would have worked. I don't know if it would have worked six years ago. After, I mean, or is there anything, anyone clamoring for a Black Widow movie in 2011 after she appeared in Iron Man 2? Yes, actually. Over, yeah. yeah well, well, I guess maybe not clamoring for it because of the over-sexualized nature of the character back then. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that wanted to see her in her movie for other reasons, but like from a story perspective, like oh, I love that character. Like I, I think more so now it's more relatable than it was then. But that's just me. Um, I will say you're wrong in a sense of you're wrong in a sense, but you're right in a sense. You're right in a sense of people were clamoring for a Black Widow movie years ago. You're wrong about what movie people were clamoring for her. I don't think people were clamoring for her for to have a solo movie after Iron Man 2. I think people were clamoring for her to have a solo movie after Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Which was three years later. And I think, to me, that's when they should have done a Black Widow movie. Because then, heaven forbid you have some standalone movies before you kill her off. As opposed to this consolation prize of a movie of... Um, I think the movie will be good. I think the issue that I have with the Black Widow movie is it feels like a step backwards of... Why are we going backward in the timeline to revisit a character that we know is dead? Yeah. Um, as opposed to, this should have been the first female superhero movie in the MCU, not Captain Marvel, because it's a character that we already knew. But I still think it'll be good. But I, I have some issues of just like, this should have come out a while ago. And it feels like a step back as opposed to all the stuff that's moving the MCU forward. Now, my number six... Looking at it on paper, for the sheer symmetry of it, it probably should have been a number seven. But I'm looking forward to it more than my number seven. And that, of course, is Mission Impossible 7. Still theoretically slated for 2021. Hmm. All things going right and Tom Cruise not freaking out on more cast members. Um, Mission Impossible, to me slowly but surely over the past 10 years has become one of the most reliable and enjoyable and one of my favorite action franchises uh, there's a great video essay i forget who did it but there's an exact moment that i knew i fell in love with the mission impossible franchise and that's when tom cruise steps out the window of the burj khalifa to start climbing the the tower that moment i was like oh boy uh, so we recently upgraded our surround sound to have Dolby Atmos in the apartment. When he steps out, now you can really hear the wind and the gusts blowing by, and it makes me so 
anxious to watch that scene. Um, from four on, I have loved everything about these Mission Impossible movies so much. I love the direction Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie have taken them. I love more of the, having these set team every single time of Benji and um, uh, what's Ving Rhames' character's name? I just we just know him as Ving Rhames' character. Um, uh, having more of a set team each time as opposed to a rotating cast of characters, we get more time to care about people. Love Rebecca Ferguson's character. I know next to nothing about Mission Impossible Seven from a story perspective, other than we've got that big, huge ramp in the middle of the mountains that looks awesome. Um, this franchise to me isn't just one of those, what's Tom Cruise going to do to top his le- next trick? What's going to be better than the previous movie, like the halo jump or climbing the Burj Khalifa or hanging on the side of a plane? There's genuinely good story behind this now as well. I am still mad that you killed off Henry Cavill, who could have been a really cool recurring villain, but you've earned my trust, um, and I anxiously look forward to Mission Impossible movies now, and I look forward to this one even more because we know it's shooting back-to-back with eight, and these will be the final Mission Impossible movies, so we kind of figure that these stories will be connected somehow. So seven probably is going to end with a cliffhanger, like not to the scale of Infinity War, but I'm saying it's probably going to have a pretty gnarly cliffhanger. Uh, if I mean that could be literal, considering. Uh, Ooh. The uh, it, oh, so, Tom, Tom, yeah, baby, yeah. buddy, Tom. I'm talking to you, Tom Cruise. You have to end your movie with you literally hanging on the side yeah. of a cliff, just yes, for the please. sheer screw subtlety of that. Michael, that's your pitch points for the day. Uh, thank you. I finally got some. I, I didn't even put this movie on 2021 because I, it, I don't think there's any way this is coming out because if it was guaranteed, it'd be my number one. Not even close. Couldn't agree with you more uh, because I, I just I was always under the impression this was coming out in 2022 anyway. So uh, that remains to be seen. So my my list is subject to change. Uh, I have actually enjoyed every single one of these films, but I remember seeing Mission Impossible 4 in theaters. And I and the thing is, is like I hadn't seen all of them up until that point. Same. You know, I was. Same. Uh, I was. You know, I was. You no. Know, what did the the third? That one came out in like 2013. So the third um, one was 2011. Oh, excuse me. No, 2011. The fourth, the fourth so one was. was I, yeah, the fourth one was 2011. Okay, sorry about that. That that is. So yeah, that's right. I was in high school. I went to see it with my friends, and it's like we don't know what everything is going on. All we know is that. He's climbing the Burj Khalifa. That was like the big thing. I went, yeah, let, let's go see this. And thank you, Brad Bird, for making an amazing film. And I loved it. And then my family has really enjoyed seeing the rest of these two. And it's sad that they have to end it, you know. And I'm really curious to see what action franchise will, will pick this up. Like who? John who is Wick. Tom, John yeah, who Wick. Is, who is Tom Cruise going to lead maybe to a younger actor? And they're maybe their late 20s, early 30s that can maybe – start their own franchise, but really kind of take on this devotion of like, I want to do my own stunts. I want to do things that are epic, not trying to be Tom Cruise, but also just, just to show that I'm just as dedicated. Like and a Taron that, Edgerton? Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm open to anything. I just, I would really like to see these films continue because if there's ever a pinnacle besides like me, star Wars, which is, you know, obviously a love child. Um, Mission Impossible, along with what I said about some animated films, like with Boss Baby, or like why I love films, the pinnacle of why I love film have been the Mission Impossible uh, like movies. They, they, have, they have been the hallmark of cinema 
getting like shooting things that shouldn't be shot, asking actors to go above and beyond, you know, telling actually a good story, injecting humor, and not having a lot of smut in them. It's they're not they're it's not gratuitous sex and violence and language where you where a lot of people just can't do it, and it's not used as as just filler, and and that is what I enjoy about them. So, hats off to you, Nate, because like that would would be my number one, and you know, and for the sake, let's hope that's my number one. <laughs> uh, have you said your number six yet? I believe you uh, have. Uh, yes, I am. I'm at my I'm at my top five now. Okay, same. Um, I'll do my number five. One that might surprise you how high it is on my list, or the fact that it's even on my list, Michael, considering I don't really care for the original that much, which is almost sacrilege because if you tell, if people find out that you don't like Ghostbusters, they want to kill you. But oh my goodness, I need to see Ghostbusters Afterlife so bad. And I was genuinely mad when all these movies started getting canceled that I would have to wait until an undisclosed time in 2021 to see Ghostbusters Afterlife because that first trailer charmed the ever-living pants off of me. Like, holy crap. I don't I don't particularly care for the original Ghostbusters. I don't... It's whatever. Uh, I think you have to really grow up with it to appreciate it, and I didn't. Um, but I loved this i thought there was this this certain amount of heart and dedication it felt like the force awakens of the ghostbusters world uh i'm sure it like made original ghostbusters fans squeal and i don't think we've truly had our uh chewy we're home trailer where we see some of the original ghostbusters i wouldn't be surprised if that's in the next trailer because this one focused so heavily on the new cast and i think that's another reason why i like that first trailer so much is they did insist so much on these are the new Ghostbusters. These are the new guys. This is who we're really focusing on. This is who is going to be taking over the reins for this. Um, also, Paul Rudd is just... Paul Rudd, he's a wonderful human being, and I love seeing him and stuff. I wish him all the best. Not just because he's Ant-Man, but more importantly, he's a horror guy, because he started, despite what some of y'all think, no, he did not start on Friends first. He started in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. It's a terrible movie, but he was listed as Paul Stephen Rudd before he went by Paul Rudd. He's not very good in it, but if you start off in horror, I got your back, man. Like, the horror family, we've got your back. I love me some Paul Rudd. I, just, this trailer was not at all what I was expecting for Ghostbusters Afterlife, and that single-handedly got me so amped for this movie that I cannot wait. I I would agree with you, because I didn't... I, I've never seen any of the Ghostbusters films, and certainly not the one that came out a few years ago. Uh, but this trailer was remarkable. And it, this is not on my list, but it's something that I would be interested in seeing. I'll wait for the Uncharted uh, media review before I go and see it, because I trust you, and you have never led me astray. Um, and so I will have to wait. But this this would make it in my honorable mentions because of the trailer alone. And I'll say whoever... Whoever cut that, um, please, you deserve a raise because it, it actually spoke to many different emotions, and it does not feel like a spiritual successor. It seems like it's trying to transcend its own genre, and I give it credit for it. Mm-hmm. All right. We're in your top five. What's your number five? So, so top five is revisiting, as promised from earlier, uh, will be Spider-Man, whatever. Uh, I 
thoroughly Please, enjoyed. Let's call it that. Let's just call yeah. it that. Spider-Man, Spider-Man whatever. whatever. Uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming was remarkable. Oh my gosh, was that such a good movie. And Still it my has, favorite. Yeah, it has your favorite um, Spider-Man scene, scene ever put to film. You and remembered. It, you, yes, we, we've, well, that's saying that because we've talked about it enough and because I also care about you. Um, Made me cry. I'm mad yeah, enough yeah. to admit it. Uh, now, this is interesting. So before Infinity War came out, I went on a MCU binge with my family. It was one of the most enjoyable, like, ten months of my life. We we watched we watched one Ten months? It took you yeah. ten months to get through the MCU. Well, how many films were there at that point? Seventeen? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, listen, it's Seventeen my movies in a month. I, in ten months. I would have... I would have watched one every day, but in my parents, you know, are old and senile and they have like, <laughs> you better things. hope they don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. They, they have things to do, you know, like taking care of a house and working. Sleep. So I don't know what they're, so they're not busy at all. Um, but we did a huge binge and, you know, after infinity war came out, I was like, all right, I still got to get my parents to see these newer films. And, the one movie I had not shown them, and I, they still have not seen, is Far From Home. And It's all right. They're not missing much. Yeah, so this is the thing, though, is that I actually liked Far From Home. I just haven't had a desire to go back and watch it. But I did. I, but me, personally, unlike you, I actually really liked it. I don't uh, mind it. I was just disappointed by it. Yeah, see, I wasn't disappointed at all. I actually had a great, great time. So the idea of a third film, especially with how they left of uh, the reveal of like Peter Parker's name, like my my jaw hit the floor, not just with J. Jonah Jameson uh, and the character return being played by, what's his name? J.K. Simmons. Thank you, J.K. Simmons. Put some respect like, on that name. Uh, and thank you. That's why I asked. I, I just couldn't pull it out of my hat here as quick. The That was amazing. But then him just dropping his name, like that is insane. That sets up the next film so well. I cannot wait for it uh and unlike your hesitancy for me personally it's the only it's the only other marvel film that i'm really looking forward to this year the other ones didn't make the list uh because I'm, I'm not really that interested but this one i am so uh, i'll carry the optimism torch for the both of us okay awesome uh yeah i don't have any more marvel movies but i do have one more comic book movie but we'll talk about that one in a little bit uh what's your number four uh so number four this is where you mentioned actually in, in our, our our first our our, our uh, pre-production meeting there uh, that this this is where it got difficult for you and yes for me I, I mean if I'm looking back over my top four here it they're so close but this one might hurt you that it's not higher because I'm pretty sure this is if not the top it's probably the top two if I'm guessing it's a sequel to one of the most surprising films I've ever seen in theaters and uh, not a genre that I typically would just like recommend to everyone. And that's a quiet place too. That's my number uh, four. Oh, it is your number four. Okay. Excellent. We finally well, have uh, one that matches up. Uh, well, that, that's pretty good. Yeah. A quiet, quiet place. One of the best films of the last five years, hands down had so much heart, so much better than what anyone was expecting. Oh, can't nope. wait. Nope. Not everybody. I called it from the first trailer. I called it from the first trailer going, I don't care that it says executive producer Michael Bay. Something about this trailer 
speaks to me and speaks to the audience that I'm with because I forget what movie I was watching that had it at the trailer for this movie. But when the trailer came on, everybody shut up real quick. And I was just like, there's something special about this movie. So to me, it didn't come out of nowhere. I, I thought this movie was going to be good. So, um, Heather was still kind of getting into horror movies with me, but we saw in theaters, we come out of it. Um, it both of us like, that's like nine out of 10. And sure enough yeah. to, for both of us, that was the best movie of 2018. Yeah, it, yeah. Anything with aliens for me is great. I'll, I'll let you. I'll be brief because I'll let you speak speak for the both of us here. Highly anticipated. Can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, it's my number four as well. Um, it would be higher, but um, my top three movies. There's been more information that's come out about them to kind of get me more amped. That there's just been stuff that I really really like. So, um, my top four. Anything could really be slotted in at any given moment. Um, but Quiet Place Two. I don't know. I'm just kind of hesitant about the whole we're going to see some of the backstory about how the aliens got to where they're at. So I don't know if that's going to take away some of the mystery. Spoiler alert, not having John Krasinski in it for most of the movie might hurt it. I'm not sure. John Krasinski's coming back to direct it. So I have complete faith in that. Um, I've said before, the first one, oh my goodness, was the best movie of 2018. And I felt that one in my soul of... Uh-huh. Uh, I love you. I have always loved you. Just broke me in the best oh, yeah. possible way. Um, and I've I've read more into the subtext of it. Um, that I'll talk to you more about off mic sometime. Of just like this movie resonates more than you might realize if you really look into some of the deeper themes here. Um, just immediately makes me in- interested in the second one. Um, I do have some hesitancy of just going. I don't want to ruin a great thing, but if it's great, we've got more of a good thing. But also, it's not a few notches higher just because I'm still a little mad that it came out the week that everything started to go bad in the country. Because there's still people out there that got the press screenings for A Quiet Place 2. So there are people out there that have seen and put the reviews out there for A Quiet Place 2. They just haven't put them online. That They've put their general thoughts and they've seen this movie. And they have already seen it. And it makes me mad that there are people out there that have already seen this movie. Because we were this close to it before. Um, but man. A Quiet Place 2. Just if it's anything even remotely close to the first one. My heart will be happy with this movie. And I can I can be happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the um, I'm glad that we. I mean, I actually wasn't even anticipating us uh, actually having the same list, so that's actually really encouraging. I was hoping um, we'd have at least one that was in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, I'll be brief on this because it, it, it's you know it's no time to die. I'll just throw it right out there. This one's higher because I, because of the trailers and you you mentioned it kind of like mimicking the 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 Star Trek every other one. I think they're due. I, I think this this movie looks absolutely nutty, and I I'm I really really um looking forward to the villain here, and mm. I really I, I yes that's that's a great question like who who what when where and why, uh, it's very, this one has a little bit more of a mysterious element, and that is why I'm hooked, and as far as like the the whole idea of introducing this secondary. Uh, Bond, this other person, this other double O agent. I think there's more than meets the eye there. So there's a little bit more mystery this time around than there was with Spectre. Couldn't agree with you more. 
Spectre was definitely a letdown because I just watched all the Bond films with my parents. I, I had never seen like Quantum of Solace because I could never finish it. And wow, that was that's that that is a movie, kind of like your response to Wonder Woman eighty four. But the Skyfall hit harder and Spectre fell harder uh, in my in my list. But my parents <laughs> But my parents enjoyed them, and so when I'm looking at through the lens of, like, this is trying to reach them, too, because we, we're going to see it. But my parents, I think it's got them hooked as well. That's good. I Yeah, I think this Bond will be this will be good. Um, I have some thoughts about Bond that we'll share next week as we do our 2021 movie predictions, which, spoiler alert, there might be some carryover from our 2020 movie predictions. We're not at fault for that. Um... There's some things out of our control if we recycle predictions because the movie still hasn't come out yet. Um, right. My number three is my highest rated, our most anticipated comic book movie of 2021, which would have been The Batman had it not gotten delayed till 2022. Because uh, October of this year was supposed to be Nathan month. My number one and number two most anticipated movies were supposed to come out a week uh apart from each other that's no longer happening and then the batman was also supposed to come out a week after that so three movies that i really wanted all the same month that i was born oh, now only no. now only one of them is coming out in october which I'll, I'll talk about that one in a little bit uh but no the batman since it's no longer in 2021 is not on my list my most anticipated comic book movie of 2021 is james gunn's the suicide squad mm. this looks bonkers in the best possible way i really like james gunn for the most part i was a little disappointed with guardians of the galaxy volume 2 um i think it had a little too much childish humor and he really dumbed down the character of drax um everything i've seen from the suicide squad looks outstanding um i'll let you in on a little secret i don't even mind the original suicide squad i don't think it's a great movie or even a good movie but i can at least have fun with it it's not bad i'm so excited for the suicide squad I love and appreciate when comic book movies embrace their source material and just feel like a comic book. I got so giddy when they showed that behind-the-scenes video at DC Fandom of seeing John Cena in the Peacemaker suit because, believe it or not, I have some Peacemaker comics that I got from my uncle. And seeing a 100% accurate costume for peacemaker right down to the ridiculous side dome helmet the short sleeve red shirt and the tan pants with dual pistols i was like i never thought we would see peacemaker in a movie ever but we've got peacemaker we've got king shark we've got whatever nathan fillion is playing which i'll talk about next week because i think they're hiding that they're also i think hiding who the villain is which if i'm right about who the villain is I'm even more excited because I think I've told you, Michael, off mic before who I think the villain is. Um, yes. If that's the case, oh boy, I'm there with bells on. Um, but also just the comic accuracy of the suits. Um, I got excited seeing um, what's Joel Kinnaman's character, Rick Flagg, who was in the last one. But just the subtle design to go, no, let's have him look like he is in a comic book with the yellow shirt and everything. World of difference. The Harley Quinn costume. I think that's the best Harley Quinn suit we've ever seen in a live-action form. That, to me, screams Harley Quinn without over-sexualizing her. Like, wow, she's got pants. Good. Uh, but also, she's got the classic red and black. That looks awesome. That looks like Harley Quinn. I also like the fact that this 
is a huge cast, which means there's going to be a lot of dead people in this movie, which, heaven forbid, a Suicide Squad movie kills off some of its main characters, because that's kind of the point of Suicide Squad. Um, This movie seems absolutely bonkers and ridiculous and a hard R-rated movie, which I can take it or leave it for most movies, but for this, I'm all on board with. This seems nuts, and I'm all on board with it. This is going to sound horrible, but I kind of hope Pete Davidson dies in the first five minutes just because. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a wild card for me, man. It didn't make my list because I just don't know what to think. And, but I'm, I'm tempted. I'm tempted, depending on certain content material, I will go see it. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is struck me as strange, but you're getting the tone right. That I will say... If we ever did like a review of like the biggest marketing failures of all time, Suicide Squad's gonna go down in there because I remember where I was at when I watched the trailer for Suicide Squad and I was blown away. I said, Are they actually gonna make this a dark, edgy movie? No. No, they're not. But they wanted to. Uh, and I was I because the, the reshoots galore obviously with this film, and they honestly had no idea what they were going to do with it. But I really thought that this movie was going to go for it. And you watch that original trailer, and I thought it was it was kind of sick in a way of what they were the tone they were going for. And I'm I was like I was down for seeing that. Um, and since we didn't get it, they didn't think it would play. Going this direction with it with James Gunn, kind of Guardians of the Galaxy. Defying it, I, I'm 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 more optimistic than what I normally would be. Also, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If nothing else, this movie has Polka Dot Man. I can die happy knowing Polka Dot Man is in the movie. Y'all, y'all sleeping on Polka Dot Man. He's gonna be the MVP of this movie. He's awesome. I've been championing Polka Dot Man for a while. Remember when uh, it came out that. Uh, David Dushmalshian was playing Polka Dot Man. Josh is like, you don't even know who Polka Dot Man is. Don't you challenge me. I watched my Batman the Animated Series. I know who Polka Dot Man is. I'm, I appreciate James Gunn is willing to deep, deep, uh, dive deep into the lore to pull out a Polka Dot Man, a Rat Catcher, a King Shark, um, uh, Bloodsport, all these obscure characters as opposed to going with the safe picks and going with more out of left field choices um and also never thought i'd say this please 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 don't kill off jai courtney he's one of the only good things about the last one yeah that uh yeah th- this movie uh, i think it's also missed a glorious opportunity to introduce rubik's cube man i'm just saying uh, <laughs> or clock king or yeah. condiment king <gasps> condiment king end credit scene condiment no, that, king that... end credit scene teased please 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 he's Make... the real villain of the movie uh, we can just if Con McKing was the real villain of the Suicide Squad, my heart would genuinely be happy. <laughs> I would not even... He just has his little uh, condiment guns. Y'all ready to get sauced? <laughs> well, I don't know I don't know how to transition away from that. Uh, I, I'll keep my, my second one pretty short because we've already said it uh, very much so. It, it, I'm glad it made your list. Uh, and for me, it's Top Gun Maverick. Uh, that that trailer. I mean, listen. My dad was so excited for this film. He sent me 
the trailer. My dad never watches trailers <laughs> to movies. He sent it to me, and I'm like, "Wow, Dad, we're gonna have to go see this." And and we're we're planning on it. Like we have it, we have it set aside for this year. And and I think maybe that's that's why mainly. And you know, you you share your love uh, of film. Your parents, uh, Nate, love film too. And it just makes it more mm-hmm. special when you have somebody else to go with, and especially. Uh, you know, a father and son bonding time, that that's personally something that I'm looking forward to more so is that a good time with my dad. And this film is going to help deliver that. That That's why it, it's not number one, because there's another film that I'm going to go see with my dad for the same reason this year. So um, my number two was for a while my number one until some stuff about my number one came out that got me more excited. Okay. Anybody that knows me knows that if there's a new Halloween movie, I'm there in a heartbeat, so long as it's not made by Rob Zombie. Um, I was crushed when they moved Halloween Kills till 2021, because they moved it with like a week left, and we didn't know because we hadn't gotten any trailers or anything. Uh, maybe not a week left, but they moved it pretty close to the release date, so there's still a chance it would have come out in 2020. This is one of my most anticipated horror movies in a very long time. And that includes 2018's Halloween. Um, primarily because we know what we got with 2018's Halloween, which was outstanding. It was the Force Awakens to the Halloween franchise that it so desperately needed. It retreads a lot of the familiar territory, but it tells it in a different way. And I really like that of what does trauma actually do? This new one gets me so so excited because if the last one was a force awakens one this one is truly a halloween sequel made for the fans it's happening seemingly the same night as the 2018 halloween but what happens to the rest of the town of haddonfield with michael myers running loose not only do we have our cast from 2018 returning all the ones that survived and michael myers coming back it feels like a proper sequel to the 78 masterpiece because you've got all the classic characters that survived the 78 movie are coming back for this. Sheriff Brackett's coming back. Lindsay Wallace, Tommy Doyle, um, uh, Nurse Marion, who's uh, probably not a nurse anymore. All these like deep cut beloved characters from the original are coming back. And that, as a Halloween fan, just makes me so so ecstatic like this movie feels like it's made for the diehards um and there's a lot of deep cuts in 2018's halloween but this feels like there's going to be even more deep cuts they've also said that this is going to be the most brutal halloween movie um and i believe it i i firmly believe this will be the highest body count for a halloween movie i think though that this will also be the empire strikes back to stick with the star wars analogy i think this will be the empire strikes back of the halloween universe because we know they're filming this and then they're gonna film um halloween ends which will end the story of laurie strode and michael myers to so more or less be a complete story arc which is not something that's normally the case with halloween of typically you've got two movies and then the arc dies so you've got halloween one and two they did something completely different for three four and five and then they did something completely different for six um h2o they did something completely different for halloween resurrection the two rob zombie ones so you've never had three movies in a row to complete an actual overall narrative arc and i'm so looking forward to this david gordon green trilogy i don't think laurie's dying in this middle one but everyone else might 
what I imagine will happen in this one is due to her, her injuries in the last one, Lori will be out of commission for most of this while Michael just slaughters most of Haddonfield, leading to one final showdown between the two of them um, for Halloween Ends, which I have a, certain predictions about Halloween Kills, but we'll talk about that next week for our Halloween for our 2021 movie predictions. But um, I, as a Halloween fan, any Halloween movie I'm down for. But this, everything I've heard about the production, everyone that's going to be involved with this, and going off the back of 2018, which is a phenomenal horror movie, I'm just, I'm all about it, man. Um, Halloween is very special to me. It's my favorite horror franchise. Not only that, it's one of my favorite franchises, period. I just, there's nothing that could make me not excited for this. Yeah, I, I remember my mother growing up being scared to death of this uh, this film. She said it's the only movie that she couldn't like keep her eyes open with or open the entire way through. And you know, obviously as a kid, I had to see it, and I always saw the TV, <laughs> and so I always saw the TV edit of it. Uh, it mm. wasn't until your bachelor party that we watched it, and you're welcome, by the way. It was a great night. Actually, and, um, fun fact: the TV edit for those that don't know is longer than the theatrical version of the it, original Halloween. It, is it really? There is um so in the orig- in the theatrical the, the the TV version I mean it the theatrical version of it wasn't long enough for TV. It's either the first one or the second. One. Now I'm getting them mixed up cuz I'm listening to a Halloween book and audiobook about all the unmade Halloween movies, but um it's either the first one or the second one. I'm trying to remember now. Um but one of the Halloween movies that TV version is actually longer than the theatrical version because they added an extra scene to make it TV length um, because it wasn't long enough. And that's where we actually find out Michael Myers' middle name for the first time is Audrey. Um, So that's a weird, like, fun fact of they even acknowledged that in Halloween 2018 of Michael Audrey Myers. was like, oh, you really did pay attention to your deep cut. So you watched the TV version of one of the old Halloween movies. Um, Uh, That's that's curious. So, yeah. But uh, seeing that that film that night, you know, and watching it through basically your lens because you were commentating whether we liked it or not, uh, mind you. Uh, I'm just I'm just teasing you. Welcome to movie just, watching with me. It's a, it's yeah. a suffering. Well, it helped make it less scary, I will say, um, because it is it, it does do its job. It it is a successful horror film. So like this, I'm glad I'm glad that you are looking forward to this. I'm glad that these movies exist for, for people such, such as you. Uh, I will not be participating, but I cannot wait to hear your review of it. And I hope you're not let down. Seriously. I hope, I hope that this deserves a place in your, your most favorite films of 2021. When we do a wrap up show 12 months from now, I'm really hoping that it's there, buddy. I'm pulling for you. Uh, um, I hope it will be. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we talked about number one, uh, already, and I'm so happy it's on your list. And I'm a little bit more biased when it comes to these films because because of my dad. Uh, and growing up, Godzilla was something that for my really? dad. Really? Yeah, he, yes, he, he loved. And I grew up watching the old Japanese cartoons and all of the Japanese movies uh, that are most hilariously dubbed to English movies you'll ever watch uh, oh, in yeah. your life. So. I watched everything Godzilla, so when they announced the 2014 film, I was like, well, Dad, that's a guaranteed movie that we're going to go see. We both enjoyed it. We really we really found uh, uh, Kong Skull Island 
quite enjoyable, and we both really did like uh, King of the Monsters. We we enjoyed uh, because if you're a, if you're a Godzilla like kind of sewer, if you will, you will recognize a lot of the monsters and the lore behind behind them. And so if you're a Godzilla fan, they do a good job and uh, in, in, in rewarding you for that. Do they do a great job from a film standpoint? No. I, I, I'm with you from a film standpoint. I am admittedly biased, and I look past all those flaws. And for me, if I can look look to my dad who's sitting next to me and smile and say, did you enjoy that, Dad? He goes, absolutely. I thought that was really cool when they did this. Then for me, it makes it all worth it. And, and that's why uh, Kong versus Godzilla is going to be an anticipated film. My, my dad's not sold on it, but I'm still going to drag him to the theaters. I said, Dad, they're just two big things fighting each other. Who doesn't want to see that? So it, that's my most anticipated film personally. Can't wait for it. And I was really saddened to to hear that it was not going to be in theaters. And then I'm glad to see Legendary push back because you're 100% right in what you said, Nate, that this is not a film I want to watch on my 65-inch TV. I don't care if I have surround sound and a nice subwoofer or not. I want to see this in a theater on the biggest screen possible. So that's what I'm going to do. And I just I can't wait till it gets here. Yeah, like, Kong and Godzilla movies, they're meant to be seen on the big screen. Like, I didn't love 2014's Godzilla. It was it was fine. But holy crap, that airport scene when he, like, steps forward and roars oh for the gosh. first time. Yes. I saw that in IMAX with my parents. That theater shook. I was like, yeah. this is an out-of-body experience that, <laughs> yes. that would not be replicated until Captain America lifted Mjolnir. Um, like, ew. Wow. Um... I get the whole bias thing of you're going into Godzilla versus Kong with a huge bias of you're predisposed to like these. That's exactly how I feel with my number one most anticipated movie, which is not on a lot of people's list. I fully acknowledge that. It's not even on your list. You have not mentioned it at all. Not a lot of people are. I've seen a lot of people's most anticipated. I think this is going under a lot of people's radars because for a lot of people... When they hear video game movies, they immediately turn up their nose going, this is going to be the biggest pile of crap in the world. Yeah. I have advocated for the Uncharted movie since it was, well, I won't say since it's been announced, but because that was announced like 10 years ago that's been in development. Back to the <laughs> yes. David O. Russell days, you had the Travis Knight days, there's been a whole bunch of issues. I remember the day that Tom Holland was cast as Nathan Drake. And I was one of, and I still to this day am, one of the only people going, this is a smart idea. I know you guys wanted Nathan Fillion, but if you want a franchise potential, you have to go younger. And also, the mistake that a lot of video game movies make is, we have to base it off the video games. The Uncharted movie is not doing that. They are not ruining the timeline of the games since they're being set before the games the games still exist where they are in their story we're just getting nathan drake earlier in his life now i'm still not sold on mark Wahlberg as sully however he did share on instagram because i've been following this movie's production like a hawk mind you um he did share on instagram a picture of him with his slick back hair with the mustache, and I'm not going to lie, that almost single-handedly won me over because he looked so spot-on to the Sully that I know and love. 
But just the little snippets that I've heard about this movie just get me more and more and more excited. Like when the picture that I've got on the graphic of um, Tom Holland and Nathan Drake, when that dropped, I remember that dropped on a Thursday. I was at work. I made the most unnatural ferret squeal I have ever made because it was like, holy crap. This is what I want. Now, I know some people wanted an older Nathan Drake, and I get that. I get that. Well, they can have them. Yeah, th- they've got four fantastic games and a PSP game. Um, yeah. But I saw this, and I didn't see Tom Holland. I saw Nathan Drake, which anybody that knows me, Uncharted is my favorite video game franchise of all time. It's the reason why it's called Uncharted Media here. One, because we cover stuff besides movies. That's where the media comes from. But Uncharted movies are uncharted territory. Let's explore them. But also, I just love Uncharted. And I was in a big big Uncharted kick when I was rebranding the YouTube channel. But also, a quick, fun side tangent. The main character is Nathan Drake. Yes. Your host for everything is Nathan. Yes. There's that connection. <laughs> I've been an Uncharted fan for a long time. So I'm so emotionally invested in this. But just... I followed everything about this. So Nolan North voiced um, Nathan Drake in the video games and all of the games. He has a YouTube channel called Retro Replay, and he'll live stream every once in a while. And a few live streams, um, he has been able to share uh, official images from the movie that eventually go out to the various social medias, but he gets first dibs on them. And he was actually flown out for a set visit. And hearing the stuff that he's talked about of just these little, like, minute details that only the most hardcore of Uncharted fans would even notice. Like Tom Holland telling Nolan North, hey man, I tried to keep the shirt tucked in in the front, but whenever we're doing the action scenes, the shirt pops out, so I can't really do the shirt tucked in the front like he does in the games. Just like little details shows me that there's just this love and this passion with the team behind it, whether it's Tom Holland and Nathan Drake, Ruben Fleischer, the director, um, Something about this project really reinforces to me, and maybe it's just because I'm too emotionally attached to this, something tells me that this will be the one that breaks the curse. I'm not saying this movie will be perfect, and I don't need it to be perfect. I just need this movie to be a fun treasure hunt movie, because at the end of the day, those are some of my favorite movies. Sahara, National Treasure, even to a certain extent, Aquaman is just a treasure hunt movie. I just want this to be a fun treasure hunt movie at the end of the day, and I think it will be. I've told Heather... I squeal with delight when Captain America lifted Mjolnir. If you want to see a grown man break down into happy tears, you put the Uncharted theme in the first trailer, I will bawl like a little baby. Because that music just it puts me back in the Uncharted world. Now, I don't know who's doing it, but I still kind of have this hope. Because he's done movies and he's done games. That Henry Jackman, who scored Uncharted 4 Thief's End's soundtrack comes back to score the movie i would be so happy with that and even if you don't play the full uncharted music in the trailer but if you either start or end with a do 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 goosebumps just just the little details that they seemingly are getting right that other movies would overlook like sully's coat oh no not coat but shirt that mark Wahlberg is like here Here's what we've got in wardrobe, and it's a shirt with a cigar. Like, that looks perfect. Just everything about 
the Uncharted movie that I've heard so far, everyone's been poo-pooing the idea because it's Tom Holland. They can't get over the fact that it's Tom Holland. And I get that. But I think so many people see Tom Holland as Spider-Man and nothing else. Y'all, Spider-Man... No, see, now, even I'm doing it. Y'all, Tom Holland is a phenomenal actor. See him in other stuff besides Spider-Man. Lost City of Z is outstanding. Devil all the time. Not a fantastic movie, but he's outstanding in it. If you've only seen him as Spider-Man, you are missing out. I think he's absolutely the right choice for this. Uh, Maybe I have too much invested in it because I'm an Uncharted fan, but also I've been in Tom Holland's side for this entire time thinking he is a good choice for Nathan Drake. I just see something really, really special in this Uncharted movie. Um, due to my fandom with Uncharted, I, I'm i just maybe I'm wishing it to be good. But I don't know. I can't shake this feeling that I think a lot of people are sleeping on this. And it's going to end up being something really, really special. Well, I, I certainly am hoping so. And by the way, you know, as, as your friend, I can sense your passion. And, I, and I'm really and thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, potentially, what this film can do maybe for our generation uh, is what kind of Indiana Jones did for its generation. Uh, you have a younger, you have a younger star. I mean, now he's, I know he's younger compared to Harrison Ford, but he's known, he's recognizable, and even to the point that for the people who are complaining that he's not old enough, if you're thinking franchise, and it's actually if you make a good movie and try to franchise it, it's actually more, you know, lucrative of a property. Uh, um, financially, like for a studio, that if you make a good movie, then you can make a sequel. You already have a baseline. You got the actors. You already have a creative talent. You don't need to start from scratch. So there's that. But if they want an older Nathan Drake and they franchise this, guess what? Over the course of time, he's Tom Holland's going to be older. He can grow the beard. Okay, can't really grow the beard now, but he can actually well, even then. Be- even then, Nathan Drake really has never had a beard. He's got like five o'clock shadow at times, but also. People seem to think that he's like the scrawny kid, that he's young. He is 23, guys. Yeah. Also, Give it some time. Um, I saw this when we saw that, like, the Uncharted picture of him as Nathan Drake for the first time. He's definitely not high school Nathan, uh, Tom Holland like we see in Spider-Man. He's a young man here. And also, holy crap, dude got jacked for this. He looks mm-hmm. big. Like... Not swole, super, super swole, but he looks like a young man, which is what you need from Nathan Drake. I think way too many people are sleeping on this. Would Ruben Fleischer have been my top choice for director? No. I'm still mad that we lost uh, Bumblebee's Travis Knight, but I love both Zombielands. I actually didn't even mind Venom. I think Ruben Fleischer is a decent director. Um... I think this could be a lot of fun. I think there's truly going to be something special with this Uncharted movie, and that's why it's my most anticipated movie of the year. Um, Michael, you got any closing thoughts for 2021 movies? Uh, Let's just hope they all come out. (laughs) Wise words. Wise words. Well, what are your most anticipated movies of 2021? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.